Hi, my name is uh, Liam Black, and welcome to the second podcast in our series on the A to Z of social entrepreneurship, where I bring together some uh, very interesting, cool people to talk about some of the themes of my book, The Social Entrepreneurs A to Z. And uh, in this podcast, we're looking at the second letter in the alphabet, which is B. B is for business basics. Um, I often see uh, social entrepreneurs that want to change the world and have a fantastic vision and are very energetic and run around the world talking about their great vision and their energy, but actually aren't paying enough attention to the sometimes quite dull but deeply important basics of creating an organization, the cash, the people, the structure. And I'm delighted uh, to welcome two uh, great guests today to talk about that uh, from two very different parts of the world and very, very different industries um, and activities. Uh, but I hope during the conversation we'll see that some of the things that they're sitting with uh, to achieve uh, great business activity and performance uh, are shared. Uh, my first guest is Dr. Aravind Srinivasan. He's an eye surgeon and, and for 23 years has worked at the social business, the Aravind Eye Care System in India. Um, and its mission is to eliminate needless blindness. And they do this uh, through 11 hospitals, outreach into the field, and uh, have helped 10 million people. 10 million people have had their eyesight back as a result uh, of Aravind's work. Uh, they operate a cross-subsidy model, which has inspired the world, which basically means that the middle class and the rich pay market rates, and uh, those on very low income uh, and some of the poorest uh, pay $10. Dr. Aravind, you're very welcome uh, today with us. Uh, and over here is Sandra Shembury, uh, who is the Chief Encouragement Officer for the House of St. Barnabas, which is a jewel in the crown of London's social enterprise uh, world. It's a, the, it, the House of St. Barnabas is actually a beautiful building uh, right in the middle of Soho. It uh, has been there for a long time, uh, but Sandra and her team about two years ago brought this back into very productive life as a membership club uh, for social entrepreneurs and other change makers. And they're queuing up around the block to become members. I'm very uh, honoured uh, to be uh, a member. And at the heart uh, of the business is an apprenticeship for homeless people to help them off the streets and into a career in hospitality um, in London. So, so you're very, very welcome. So I want to start with you, uh, Aravind. In your world where people lose their eyesight or, or worse, if you don't get the business basics right, how do you ensure and how have you ensured since the beginning that the social purpose, helping the poor regain their eyesight, is balanced with the realities of creating a really efficient uh, business underneath that to deliver that vision? So if you look at the community and, and try to address the needs of the community, the way we reached cross-subsidization is not because we wanted to do cross-subsidization, but the community is represented that way. In the community, there are, say, about 30, 40 years ago in India, 20% were able to pay the market rates, 80% were not. Today, the economy is changing. There is growth happening. And today, about 50% or 60% uh, still can't afford or need subsidized care. But the other 40% can pay at uh, market rates or even better than market rates for something good that they receive from the organization. So constantly be at the, with the pulse of the people, what's happening in the community and how people want their care to be delivered. And you, you try to give that. Uh, one thing that uh, was fascinated in hearing you speak about earlier this week when you took part in a, a Wavelength event was that rather than seeing, so 40% of your uh, customers pay, pay the full whack, 60% uh, pay uh, uh, much less than that. And you talked very interestingly about how the 60% 
who aren't paying the paying the bills bring other things to, the the need to address that population brings other things into making your business successful and robust like focus on efficiency frugality etc could you talk a bit about the benefit to the business of the reaching out to the cause as it were it took us a long time to realize that you know when the organization was founded it was founded obviously on the cross subsidization principle so the idea was to generate surplus and and get all the insights from this 40% and then give it very charitably to that group which is not paying or highly subsidized but interestingly when we kind of sat back and looked at it the value for the organization came more from that 60% because that 60% gives us the economy of scale that 60% gives us the volume it gives us the ability to train ourselves better it gives us the ability to penetrate into the community and serve the last mile far better the second element which really i think has helped us a whole lot is working within the constraints that's where the frugality comes how did this 10 dollar come it didn't come like a magical figure it's 10 days wages that was the kind of money that they were willing to pay for a good eyesight a carpenter was willing to pay 10 days wages and this was 20 years ago today obviously the wages have gone up we have still kept that uh, 10 dollars but the population has shifted what used to be 20% of paying today has become 40% of paying it is not uh, that we are giving out of uh, just charity or having this mindset of giving we are receiving a lot more than we give and that adds to the strength of the organization and to the character of the organization and you're able to attract the right people and uh, and and build the right organization so I, i we must get this fact out into the world cuz it's so bloody interesting and phenomenal so you do about 65% of the number of uh cataract operations that the nhs in the uk does but you do each one at less than 1% of the cost of the uk yes you don't have the same sort of scale but le- less than 1% how and i hope the government minister responsible for health is listening to this <laughs> i think what has happened over a period of time as healthcare has become very complex so in a in a society like a developed society like uh, london uk uh, the regulations have have matured over a period of time have made the whole thing so complex that what the patient gets and what you put in is not so relevant and i think 10 20 years from now nhs will be a very different the dna that goes in today will make it a very different organization and maybe a model for the world a really important message in there for uh, social business leaders listening to this is the the danger of overcomplicating things keep on adding things that get in the way of the core purpose and efficiency uh, so santo do you have any questions or reflections on uh, what you've just heard dr aravan say There was a bit at the beginning about you said the the choice the cost subsidy wasn't your original idea that that that, it, that came in afterwards did I hear that right no cost subsidy was there from the beginning but it kind of got matured over a period of time right. the ratios were different the ratios were different and did you find uh, interesting that you said as you got later on um the the the, ba- the balance changed did you have any real naysayers at the beginning saying well yes i've got the money but why should i pay if they're not paying why should i see 10% of the people are going to exploit either way okay there is a poor person who's going to sell his cow or or some a land and then say i'm going to pay more because money also brings in a sense of quality i've paid for it i'm getting better but we are happy with that 
you know, this 10% who can pay go to this subsidized section. The 90% in the subsidized section are looking at that person and saying, oh, if this individual who has the ability to pay comes here, I'm getting something good. I'm getting a good deal here. So I, I don't think one has to be paranoid about it. Okay. It's okay if somebody wants to take a quick uh, uh, deal. But the society has a way to uh, pressurize people to get what they need. And do you find that your um, subsidy uh, group, is that the 60%? Did I get that 60%. Front? 60%. Are they then the advocates and ambassadors for you? To, so, so spreading the word amongst larger communities? Absolutely. Absolutely. See, in healthcare, it is all about word of mouth. And it is not only the word of mouth of the patient who gets experienced, it's also the people who are facilitated us to reach them in the community. We don't do any marketing. We don't have to. And in that way, I'll give you an example. We had uh, uh, an accident, a bad accident, actually, one of our team, which was going into a rural area. And to our surprise, somebody stopped their car when the accident happened, took all the people and at least five cars that came that way, took each individual, took them to a hospital, took care of them. For 48 hours, the community handled everything. When we went there, we were just spectators, just amazed at how community could accept I don't think you could buy this for money. I don't think you could buy this for any amount of uh, targeted thing that you do. If you do something for others, along with partnership, then the community respects, responds, and uh, and gives a lot more than what you ask for. So, Sandra, um, we move from rural India and um, uh, supporting the poorest to be able to see again to uh, one of the most densely populated urban areas in the world, London uh, and Soho. What are you learning about the importance of business basics once you literally and metaphorically open that lovely door <laughs> on Greek Street? Most people, I think, uh, as you say, have the grandiose idea of, I've got a great idea and vision and it's going to be brilliant. And actually, cash flow is king. And if you don't understand and get that basic right very, very, very quickly, it isn't going to happen. And actually, as much as I love to believe change can happen overnight, it is incremental change. And so it's constantly, every day, looking at what you do and go, how can we make this better? How can So it's that that shaving. I think uh, one of your guests um, at last year's wedding, Martin Neri, yeah. so he was saying about incremental change consistently. And actually, it, it's less glamorous. You, it, it doesn't make people feel like the superhero um, or messiah complex I know you've touched on previously, but it's that constant um, evolution and shaving of your of your business basics and and having to be boring. So constantly, I have a real challenge. I say to I say to the team, haven't I said this? And you're like, I've, I'm sure I've said this, and I've got it minuted, and, and I've said it last week, and they. Until they see it, you saying it, and then they see you acting it, and then they see you follow up on it again and again and again, they go, oh, she actually means it. But one of the challenges we have is it's marrying, as you say, it's a grade one listed building, which is, it is stunning. We're so lucky. But you're marrying people's value investments. So an awful lot of the members that have joined us have said to us, actually, I'm investing my value in this club, not just a business transaction. So there's a two, two balancing act going on there. And the challenge we have with that is, yes, they invest their values, but if you get the service wrong once, they might forgive you. Get it wrong twice, they're not going to forgive you. And actually, if the business doesn't work, there is nothing to integrate the academy within. So actually, the charitable work stops. So it's a real. I'm constantly um, balancing the time and attention that we give to both of those things. So interestingly, in the first, we're almost a year and a half of operation now, 
the first year was mainly had to be club business orientated. So actually 80% of my time was spent on the business and only 20% was spent on the academy. And we're now moving that back towards 50-50, where hopefully next year it will be 80-20 the other way. But I've got to get the business right first. And that was a really big board decision. Lots of head scratching and are we doing the right thing? Let's sense check with outside providers that we're not... Um, how this was going to be viewed, but that was a really big governance question about actually that business to work ratio. Yeah, and I, th- and I think that that goes to the heart of the challenge that social entrepreneurs have when they create businesses, is, and particularly for the for leadership, is where do you put your time? And, and the challenge that you're sitting with right now is one that I've sat with in <laughs> social enterprises that I've set up and run, is you focus 80% of your time on the business and you get that right, in the doing of that, you might be doing things that make it harder yes. for the the beneficiaries, for mm. use that horrible word, uh, to actually integrate into the business because um, the what you've created works for your members, but might not be ideal for uh, the people in the academy. Mm. And it's uh, I don't have an answer to that, but I think it's it, it's in that area. Aaron, could I ask you about the you know this thing about keeping your eye on the basics? Um, I imagine in eye care, I mean, from the moment you walk in the door everything has got to be right. So how did, how did you things like get the cleanliness at the level that you wanted it? The, the other fact that we haven't mentioned is that I think it's only Sweden has better outcomes than mm-hmm. Aravind Eye Care in terms of infection, getting out of hospital quicker. I mean, again, another st- stonking uh, fact. How do you get that level of performance and keep it there? Division of labour. Because you're talking about every day handling about uh, 10,000 to 12,000 patients. And, and each patient gets touched by so many people. So each one that does their job have to do it well. So we have measures, lot of, it's a very data-driven organization. We measure a lot of things. And how do you constantly strive to improve? One thing we have learned is not to have this whole leadership and management trying to worry about improving. It's everybody's job. If somebody is not doing their job, they are more frustrated than the leadership. Nobody wants to be beaten up or in the sense constantly somebody telling them what to do what not to do so start listening to them and start working with them that has been a tremendous insight which has been helpful and it has released a lot of pleasure pressure out of leadership because you don't have to feel you control everything this is a system it's it's for the people by the people so let's all be part of a larger team and that sharing and letting go has been a a tremendous uh, uh, release for us in the leadership we are a team and, and we all do this together. And then try to help them. Now, that's a very important aspect. Uh, you know, something very small but has gone a long way is uh, what we have done in the last 10 years is we have this meeting called as Patient Care Improvement Committee every month. And we say whatever we agree there, it's usually the small things, we will do it within 48 hours. And our experience shows if they want something for say 10,000 pounds, if they want something for 10 pounds. And you do either, people feel that the organization is executing. You don't have to do the 10,000. People understand that. But if you don't do the 10 and treat the same, the same, uh, both the same uh, uh, way, people get disillusioned. So start picking up the low-hanging fruits. People know it's possible to move, possible to change. And you were alluding to the incremental change. Mm. We are a big believer in that. It's those small things that matter over a period of time that makes a good organisation to a greater organisation. So 
I'm wondering the. Do you think that the the that feeling of I want to improve I, and and the, and the self um, understanding of personal development is that healthcare professional specific? Do you think, or is it just in the surgeons or actually below? I'm curious if actually all within the organisation, including administrative staff, are all thinking actually how do we create this, or actually if it's just it's, it's a bit of a well because I can imagine they're incredibly intelligent people who are constantly pushing themselves. That's how you get to be a surgeon. So I'm just curious. Uh, no, surprisingly, it's not the surgeons. Okay. It's because as as we have seen this consistently, if you're more educated, uh, the lesser you're willing to change, the lesser <laughs> you're willing to explore new things. You are you're you're more fixed. Right. You're more concentrated. You are uh, you're digging your heel deeper. Okay. Uh, it's the other people. You know, for them, it's very liberating. Oh, I can add value to this organization, and uh, so so you will have to build this in your DNA. Mm. That's what we've learned. It doesn't happen naturally. Mm. You will have to tell them consistently. As a leader, they look at how you respond every time an idea comes. Are you able to implement something? Do you listen to them? And how frequently are you able to come back and say, oh, you gave that idea and, and we brought it out. Then people realize over a period of time that I count in this organization. So it takes time. It's not easy. It took us uh, quite a few years to uh, get there. But once you get there, the leader is... That's also a feeling of a leader. You should you should be a coach rather than somebody who controls everything. You know, I think that's a very important aspect in the leadership. Dr. Aravind, uh, Sandra, thank you so much for talking to me about business basics. There was so much wisdom in there from both of you that I really, really hope will be of use to people listening to this who are starting or trying to scale their businesses. Thank you so much. Thank you. You've been listening to a podcast from the series the Social Entrepreneurs A to Z, hosted by Liam Black and produced by Pioneers Post. To order your copy of the book and for more information, visit pioneerspost.com or subscribe on iTunes.